Thank you, Nathan, for leading us in singing. If you're visiting us with us this morning, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Greg, Pastor Greg, and I serve as the senior pastor here. And it's my joy to teach the Word of God to you week in and week out, and we're going to be continuing today our series through the book of Ephesians. But before we get into our study this morning, let's pray, and then we'll prepare our hearts one last time to receive what the Lord has for us. Father, give us grace and mercy to understand your mind. Grow us as a church into maturity. May we be like the Psalm 1 tree that bears its fruit in its season. May we grow with each other as living stones into the body of Christ, to the glory of our great King and Savior, our Lord Jesus. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Well, since our children are going to be staying up here with us today, it is not a children's church Sunday, I always like to have a little something for you at the very start. Children, I want you to know it's a real blessing. It's a grace to your parents. If you grow, if you grow up to be a person that your parents can brag on. Have you ever heard your parents bragging on you? I'll never forget one day, my dad took me to a baseball game, I was pitching. And I happened to pitch very well that day. And I remember my dad rolled down the window of the car, because back then we didn't roll down windows like this, we rolled down windows like this. <laughs> my dad rolled the window down of the car, and he shouted for joy, because I had pitched so well. My heart was filled with joy with my dad, that he was proud of what I did. Now, you see, parents, it is a grace, isn't it, to have children that you can brag on, but to brag on in the right kind of way. In fact, a knowing parent who understands both the strengths and weaknesses of their children can brag on them in a way that even their weaknesses are praiseworthy. Let me give an example. Imagine a dad saying of his son, my son is a real leader. People just tend to follow him. Now, he's learning how not to step on people's toes. He's learning how to understand boundaries and barriers. But I'm so excited to see what the Lord might do with my son. Would you say that's bad pride in the heart of a dad? Or how about if a mom says of her daughter, my daughter is so tender-hearted to the things of the Lord. I hardly ever have to say anything cross to her. Whenever the Lord moves, she's sensitive. No. She's going to have to learn not to be so hard on herself. She's going to have to learn to trust Christ's sacrifice for her. But I'm so excited to see what God might do with her. Well, that's a way of bragging on your daughter, isn't it? In a way that even her weaknesses are praiseworthy. Aren't they? If I could turn it very quickly, and observe honestly as your pastor, I want to brag on you for just a moment. My 13 years of pastoring here, I have never been more excited about what the Lord has for us. As we've come through the last few years, I've observed the Lord bringing us a mixture of ages and talents 
skills and dispositions. And I truly believe the Lord is priming our church for something special. I really believe that. And I might be wrong, but I really believe that. I'm aware of my weaknesses. As a leader, I'm aware of some of your weaknesses as well. But I'm also excited that God has supplemented those weaknesses with strength in other people. But this is what I'll also say. For as excited as I am, and as much as the Lord has grown us and changed us, and as much as the Lord, I believe, is primed to use us, there is a cherry on the top that I don't think we have totally embraced yet. Now, the reason we haven't totally embraced it yet is we haven't hit it yet in Ephesians, but we're hitting it today. And I'm convinced that if the Lord helps us to understand this point, we can become something truly special. I really mean that. So I'm encouraging you, I'm inviting you to give special attention to these verses today because it will transform us if we start getting hold of it. Fair enough? Let's read again verses 15 and 16 of Ephesians 4. As Nathan said, it's in the Pew Bible, page 978. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Christ is the head. It's him we serve. Christ is the head of our church, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Very quickly, let's get some context so we can understand these verses. Paul has been saying that he wants every believer to grow into maturity and stability. He doesn't want any of us in here to remain children. He doesn't want any of us in here to remain tossed to and fro. Now, what I've learned is childhood is not something in Christian in the life of the Christian that you can leave and forevermore leave behind you. Childishness in our hearts is always nipping at our heels. And Paul says he wants us to keep childishness away from us, and instead he wants maturity and stability to abound. Now, he says that this type of stability, the type of stability he's talking about that we need to have is too much for any one of us to create for ourselves. But this type of stability that he wants for us is brought to us through the body of Christ. And he talks about this in verses 12 and 15. And the body of Christ is us. Nobody can achieve this maturity on their own. It takes a team effort through this thing called the church. That's what Paul's been talking about. And then Paul now turns our attention to how this body matures. Okay? Paul wants all of you to be mature. The primary vehicle of your maturity is the body of Christ. So how does the body mature you? How can you be matured by the body? How does that work? How does that function? That's what Paul's going to talk about today. I hope that makes sense. But first things first, as we discover how this happens, 
the first thing we need to do is identify the sentence. And believe it or not, as we read this, that's actually a little harder than it might seem. Just look here at verse 15 and 16. Or this is first that look at verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is properly working, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now that's a complicated sentence, isn't it? And if we're going to understand it, we have to understand the basics of the sentence. Let me illustrate what I mean by that. Everybody, let's just take a quick little English grammar lesson. If I were to give you a complete sentence, imagine this. The pitcher threw the ball. The pitcher threw the ball. What do we have? We have a subject, which is who? The pitcher. We have a verb, which is what? Through. And we have a direct object. What did he throw? The ball. The pitcher threw the ball. Now let's hear a slightly more complicated sentence. The young, fireballing, right-handed pitcher with long red hair cascading from beneath his baseball cap, having been brought into the game with the score tied and the bases loaded, threw the ball with all his might and no fear of losing the game. What's the subject of that sentence? The pitcher. What's the verb of that sentence? Through. What's the object? The ball. What was all the other stuff? Decoration. <laughs> now, one is better literature than the other, isn't it? It's more descriptive. You can see a young fireballing pitcher with red hair coming out of his hat, throwing a ball as hard as he can and striking out the hitter. You can see that in your mind's eye. It takes all those details to fill it out. But do the basics of the sentence change? No. When it comes to the book of Ephesians, especially with Paul, to study it well, you have to get the subject, verb, and object down before you can break apart the rest of the sentence. So let's find the sentence. Let's find the basic elements of the subject, verb, and direct object. And believe it or not, a hyper-literal translation of this verse will help us. Let's look at verse 16. It says, from whom the whole body. That can be translated, all the body. All the body. Go down to the verb makes. It's a present tense verb. Is making. So the whole body is making. And then what's the object of making? The body to grow. But believe it or not, the word making the body to grow or the body to grow, the object there is the growth of the body. So, if we, were to if we were to find the subject, verb, and object, here's how it would be. The body makes growth. That's the simple sentence here. The body makes growth. What's the subject? The body. What's the verb? Makes. What's the object? Growth. Does the teacher make growth? Does God make growth? 
the body makes growth. Now, as simple, yes, God is the one who makes growth. He equips the body. But it's the simple statement of that sentence that creates a profound idea, isn't it? The body is what makes you grow. Body makes growth. The whole body. Now let's start to fill in those details, as it were, as we move forward. Let's talk about the subject of this sentence, the body. Right here we're told every part of the body, the whole body. There's no part that's ignored. There's no body part that's left out. Paul says all, all parts of the body make the body grow. If you don't think the pinky finger is important, then go home and prick it on a rose bush and let it get infected. And your whole body gets infected by something that affected just a tiny little part of your body. The whole body. Paul is including it all. He says the whole body, having been joined together and having been held together, or the whole body being joined and being held, I want you to notice this word joined is a present verb. We're being joined right now together and it's a stonemason's word. Now these weren't small little stones. How many of you have been up on Avon Pass and seen that people have stacked little stones up into the air? Does anybody do a cruel thing and knock those little towers down? I've thought about it a time or two, but I've never actually done it. I think that took somebody a long time. This is more of the idea of an industrial-sized ancient building. And the way that they would make a building absolutely watertight is a stonemason would take hours and hours and hours and fit those stones exactly together so that there was no wobble at all between the two pieces. No wobble up and down, no wobble side to side. And they would nap those stones with a hammer or with other stones and they would chip away at them and chip away and file them, rub them with other harder stones to get them to join perfectly together. And what God is saying is we, we together are joined, are being joined. We're having our edges knocked off of each other by God so that we join perfectly together in harmony to create something much stronger collectively than we could ourselves. And he says that we're also held together once we're joined, there's a mortar, as it were, that brings us together, that binds us together. And it too is present. And this word, being held together, is often used of teaching. You can look this up in 1 Corinthians 2.16 or in Acts 9.22. There was a common doctrinal declaration that grabbed Christians and brought them together in an indissoluble unity of common conviction teaching, doctrine, God rubbing our parts off of us so that we fit perfectly well with those around us and we're held and bound together by teaching that we sing about and that we love and that we praise. Teaching about our Savior. And teaching that tells us to move in with each other, move toward each other in love. Teaching that binds us together. And I want us to notice that this is coordinated. This is the whole body. All the body, every, every body part, every one of you 
as a place in this wall held together with a common conviction and it's coordinated. It says right here that God supplies these bonds. God supplies these stones and it holds them together by every joint with which it is equipped, with each part working properly. God is in the process of making us all more capable users of the gifts and talents that He's given us. And when the body coordinates its multitude of gifts, having been joined together in indissoluble unity and bound together by teaching, we start exercising these gifts in a coordinated way. For there is a coordinator who's brought us together in His sovereign purposes. When this happens, something miraculous takes place. And it's truly miraculous. And God wants every believer, every last believer brought in to this sort of union with the people of God. No exceptions. Now let's get to that verb. The whole body makes. The whole body, having been joined or being joined and being held, this coordinated body, makes something. This is a very simple word. For those of you who might know Greek, it's poieto, just means to do or to make. The body is right now making something. It's present, and it means make in the sense of to manufacture or to create. So, for example, if one of you ladies said that you're going to make a cake. You probably wouldn't say make, you would probably say bake it. But if you were to make one, you, you would put all the ingredients together and put it in the oven, and you would expect a cake to come out. You created it. For those of you gentlemen who like to do woodworking projects, you have a design in mind, and you set about it, and you make it. And maybe it looks like what you wanted it to look like. Maybe it doesn't. But you've made it. You've produced it. You've manufactured it is the idea. The body, all joined together, held together by common doctrinal conviction, all of it working, hitting on all cylinders, works. It makes, it creates, it manufactures, it does something. It's producing something. This should produce something in all of us. What is the thing? Let's go back to our really simple sentence. What was our simple sentence from verse 16 that might have been hard to find on first view? The body. What was our second word? Makes. What was our third? The body makes growth. Let's get to that one. Growth. What is this body supposed to produce? What is it supposed to manufacture? It's supposed to produce growth. Growth. This growth generally is a building. It's a building a structure. This is a construction term. It can mean to make a new building like we're doing on our property over here. It can also mean to add to an existing building to strengthen it. It doesn't always have to be a new creation. But there's definitely in the idea augmentation. The body 
makes strengthening. The body makes augmentation. The body makes new structures and pillars in the lives of people. This is generally what it means. Now, this actually has a specific meaning. Okay? Would you be so kind as to turn to one passage with me? Because we have to understand this passage in the light of the other. When Paul says that he's make, the body makes growth, what's he talking about? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's back just a few pages in your Bible. If we're on page 978, this is going to be page 953. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. What is it that the body is producing in its growth? The body is doing something. It's making something. It's building something. It's building growth in something. What is it? What's that thing it's doing? 1 Corinthians 3, 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Paul is talking to a church. You are God's building. You, Fellowship Bible Church, just like the Corinthian church. You are God's building. Now, let's keep reading. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, let's go down to verse 16. You're God's building, which means this. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Do you not know that as God's building, you collectively, the people of Corinth, you collectively, the people of Fellowship Bible Church, house the Holy Spirit of God. In fact, when this word growth is used of building growth in the Bible, it almost always refers to temple construction. And we, the church of the living God, are God's temple. So, Paul is saying this, all the body, every last part of the body, is right now being honed and shaped, fitted into a structure. The structure is held together with the teaching of God's Word. And that structure works on itself to make itself better, more suitable, stronger house for God himself. There is something cosmic going on in church. 
when I pour into Pastor Chris, I am making him a more fit stone for the abiding presence of God in him. When Joe Baker notices that my screen door is falling off, he comes over and fixes it. He didn't tell me he fixed it, but I knew it was Joe. He is making me a better fitted, built out vessel for the indwelling of God's Spirit in me. The body makes the body better suited to house the Spirit of the living God. The stones affect the stones to contain God in a superior way than they did before. Paul here brilliantly says that this is done in love. You know, it's not pretty work knocking edges off of stones. Sometimes it's hard and painful work. But when it's done in love, it specifies the means of growth to the exclusion of other methods. We, the body, ministers to the body in love, not out of duty or obligation, not out of anger or fear or resentment, not out of frustration or any of those other motivations. We minister out of an abundance and outflow of love for each other. You see how profound it is, that simple sentence, the body makes growth. What I'd like to do is take five more minutes talk about four applications that might help you see why I said what I said at the beginning. How once Fellowship Bible Church gets, we get our minds and souls wrapped around this idea, how we can be primed for special use by the Lord. First things first, number one, let's apply Paul's vision this way. Number one, this vision is inclusive. Totally inclusive. The body needs all of the body. The body needs all the body. These stones need the others to fit into their appropriate places for the strengthening, for the building out that they require. God God himself is not content to have individuals floating churchless on their own. Now perhaps there might be a very few rare exceptions. I think of perhaps one Christian in a 
country that came across gospel and doesn't have anybody to fellowship with. Americans are not in that category. God is zealous to bring every part into the body of His Savior so that we all work on each other, with each other, for each other. All-inclusive. Every part of us is all included. The church can't have just Greg Baker's hand. The church needs all of Greg Baker if it's going to create growth the way that God intends. Number two, the body makes growth is definitive. Believers within the church must be the primary mission of the church. Okay? And this can be very often confused sometimes. Shouldn't the church's mission be unbelievers outside? Shouldn't we be winning people outside the church? Well, of course, yes. Yes, absolutely. But here's how this works. The body makes growth in the body. Such that when these living stones go out into the world, they bear the aroma of Christ, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians. In some cases, people will sense that, and it will be life and liberty to them, and the gospel will grow. And in other cases, it's the stench of death, and they run from But the way that we evangelize is for us to pour in on each other and strengthen each other to the point that every person in here is an evangelist in their way. That's how the church grows. Number three, applying Paul's vision is active, isn't it? It's a present verb. The body makes, right now is making, growth is active. Healthy church life buzzes with vibrant activity. Now that's not to say we want to work you to the bone and make you overly tired and take up all your spare time. Truth be told, I was part of a church that was too busy. It was too busy. And that church, unfortunately, had lost, like the church at Ephesus did, their first love, for they were so busy in service. I was so busy in service. That, of course, isn't our goal. But let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. In fact, I'll give an illustration. Back a few years ago, I got very sick. I was sick, went to the hospital, stayed in the hospital, was out for a long time. After about a month of being sick, I went outside for a walk. And it was the first time in a long time I'd been outside for a walk. And I was walking up my road, and Joe's wife, Anna, saw me on the road. And she stopped the car, and she said, it is so nice to see you out walking. Because walking was a sign of what? We would not say that 
a sedentary lifestyle is healthy in the physical sense, would we? Activity is a sign of vibrance and life. So a healthy church is active. A healthy church buzzes with vibrant activity. And last, last, last. Applying Paul's vision helps us to focus. It helps us to focus. The mission that we all bear, the mission that we've all been given, is to shape every stone into a more fit vessel for the Spirit of God. This requires that we get a little outside of ourselves. So when we How many, for how many of us, you know, no, no raise of hands or anything like that, but when you go to church, when you come to church, it's easy to see the outside of the family. Oh, so-and-so is here. They brought their kids. Oh, their kids get taller every week. We hear little snatches of truth from their life. Week after week, month after month, year after year goes by. And we know no more of them than we did two years ago, do we? Other than their kids have grown a little bit. No, no. Focused application of Paul's vision here says this. Oh, there's so-and-so. I wonder how it goes in their soul. How can I be a blessing to them today? I'm curious to know how their work, how their life is going. Is there anything I can do for them to bless them, to make them a more fit vessel for the indwelling of God's Spirit? This changes going to church for the sake of going to church into getting into a body so that you can become a more fit vessel for God's dwelling spirit so that you can help shape others to be a more fit vessel for God's spirit. And when the body gets this, and when the body starts working this way, what does the body make? Qualitative growth in our faith. We collectively grow in our faith and appreciation of each other. This is the vision of church that Paul is putting in front of us today. And I hope we'll all meditate carefully on how we can bring our ways in line with God's ways. Now in a moment, we're going to observe the Lord's table. Some of you who are visiting today may not have planned that into your schedule. If you have to go, we understand that perfectly well. Nathan is going to come lead us in a song in a moment, and while we sing, that'll be your opportunity to slip out. But we practice open communion here at Fellowship Bible Church. If you are a born-again Christian, please stay and take part of this means of grace. Please stay and take part of this with us. Uh, we'll have a time of fellowship after that's all over. I reckon we spend 10-15 minutes observing the Lord's table, and we would love to have you remain with us.
So if you didn't build that into your schedule, that's totally fine. I'm going to ask Nathan to come and sing, lead us in song, rather. And if you need to slip out, that is your time. Nathan, please.